So I'm just going to I'm going to give I start out with a little word study of the basic terms just to give a little bit of a context. We'll work through scriptures and then pull it together hopefully at the end. So your word studies involve uh, basically three words that we have issues to try to clarify and work out. You have uh, you have Sheol, which is the which is Hebrew, and then you have uh, Hades, which gets we say it as Hades, which is your Greek. And then you have uh, Gehenna, which is another Greek term. And you have a couple others that are used uh, minorly, but uh, just reference. So these are three. These two are the same, and this is a different thing. Okay. Um, and the problem is, is that all three of them get referred to as hell. Uh, and because hell is a is a, an old English term borrowed from a Germanic word that was developed because the English language was developed from the old English middle and modern English within this construct. So that's part of the difficulty why I work through words is because the English language itself assumes baggage. It's not just because I like uh, dealing with words or linguistics. It's because language reality is articulated and constructed within the mind through language. So uh, the the modern word hell gets translated for all three, and, and uh, they're not all three the same. So Sheol, word studies, point one. Uh, Sheol is the underworld, the grave, hell pit, whatever. Uh, the quote, the Hebrew word Sheol is probably derived from a root to make hollow and was seen as the common receptacle of the dead, and in the great many places the word appears in the Old Testament, it is referring to the grave. I think it's referring to much more than the grave. When you have this, the earth here, Sheol is in the middle of the earth. Okay? Sheol. It is underneath in, uh, inside of the earth. And so a lot of your first-hand experiences of people who uh, like... Uh, Bill Bill Weiss is that his name? Twenty three minutes Weiss, uh, twenty three minutes in hell, and Mary Kay Baxter, the 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 dumb Assemblies of God housewife in seventy six, who was who's familiar with Mary Kay Baxter? That's how she's that's how she's perceived as just backwards and ignorant. But people who've had first hand experiences, they generally. A lot of times, some people have first-hand experiences, and they're not given perspective of where they are. But a number of people have had first-hand experiences of being in Sheol, and it's, it's always within the earth. It's in the middle of the earth. And that idea is not just a little bit crazy within a naturalistic framework. But it, in the way that redemption plays out, it's a critical compon- component, as we'll see. Because people are actually saved from Sheol. So uh, point two, uh, Hades is the Greek, uh, the first bullet point, the Greek word corresponding to Sheol used exclusively for Sheol in the Septuagint. And so when the Hebrew got translated 
in Alexandria in the 3rd century B.C. got translated into the Greek, when they translated Sheol, they always used the term Hades or Hades. And so these are the same reality in the Old Testament. And so in the New Testament, whenever they use the term Hades, they're always assuming the Old Testament context because the people in the New Testament, the vast majority of them, are reading the Septuagint. And so when they say Hades, they're referring to that thing in the passages that we'll cover that got translated from Sheol to Hades. Does that make sense? Okay, so uh, page 14, it's equivalent to Tartar, uh, Tartaros occurring only once in the New Testament and even then only in the part, uh, participial form. Tartarta, Tartaros was seen within Greek mythology as the deepest abyss of Hades because they're using a word within the Greek language the same way we use a word within English, hell, to refer to this. They're using a word, Hades, that has a Greek mythological understanding and they're changing the, the reality behind that word to mean the Hebrew Sheol. Does that make sense? And so, so uh, to, uh Flip over page 15. Tartaru is the, is the participle of that. Uh, we'll get there when we get there. The equivalent to, it is also an equivalent to the abyss or the abusos, the deep, uh, because the deep, the tahom, is translated as the abyss in the Septuagint. Okay, and then Gehenna is a different reality. It is an eschatological reality. It is not ever presented as a present reality. In the New Testament. But the problem is in the New Testament, it gets condensed. These two get condensed into one reality and they get stuck right up here. Okay? And so this thing is real right now. And this thing is always referred to as an eschatological reality at the coming of the Messiah. Okay? But we'll work through it. But I just want to give you the front end of uh, where we're going. So, page 15b, Sheol Hades in the Old Testament. You have some general occurrences in the historical books. The first one being in Genesis 37, then after, after they identified the multicolored robe of Joseph, Jacob tore his garments, put sackcloth on his loins, and mourned for his son many days. All his sons and all his daughters rose up to comfort him, but he refused to be comforted and said, No, I shall go down to Sheol with my son. So, it's... It's viewed as the receptacle of the dead awaiting the day of judgment in the Old Testament. I will go down to Sheol with my son, mourning. Thus his father wept for him. Genesis 42, But he, Jacob, said to Reuben, My son Benjamin shall not go down to Egypt with you, for his brother is dead in Sheol, and he is the only one left. If harm should happen to him on my journey that you would make, you will bring, my, you'll bring down my gray hairs with sorrow to Sheol. Moses, hereby you shall know that the Lord has sent me. Okay, now this is uh, number 16. And this is the clearest connection that Sheol and the earth are within the same reality. It's not just figurative language. It is real existentially. Moses said, he's saying to the sons of, uh, of, uh, the sons of Koath, I think. Yeah, uh, sons of Korah. This is the part of the notes I never got to review. So, <laughs> so uh, I spent I spent a I spent a I spent about a week. I don't remember a, a, a year or two ago. It was a while back where I was just like I have to figure the Sheol thing out, and I spent a week 
And it was like eight to ten hours a day. I was just in every scripture with Sheol and Hades. And I was just like, and I had just like documents open all over. And I was pasting and cutting. And, and I finally, I got some clarity on how the whole thing fit together. And then at the end of the week, I was like, I'm under, and, and like as the week rolled on, I just found myself under more and more oppression and a cloud. And by the end of the week, I was like, oh, why am I so oppressed? And then it was like, oh, I've been studying the receptacle of the dead for a week straight, all consumed. And I was just like, what? And so, so I, anyway, so. So this is from, I, so all my, it's all blank. I'm just like, so I apologize if this is choppy. But anyway, so uh, hereby you shall know that I have a terrible tendency to qualify. I apologize. Insecurity. Hereby we shall know, you shall know that the Lord has sent me to do all these works and that it has not been of my own accord. If these men die as all men die, page 16, or if they are visited by the fate of all mankind, which is you die and you go down to Sheol, then the Lord has not sent me. But if the Lord creates something new and the ground opens its mouth and swallows them up with all that belongs to them and they go down alive into Sheol, then you shall know that these men have despised the Lord and not just me. And as soon as he had finished speaking the words, the ground actually under them split apart. The earth opened its mouth, swallowed them up and their households and all the people that belonged to Quran, all their goods, and they, all they belong went down alive into Sheol. And the earth closed over them and they perished from the midst of the assembly. And so, uh, so... Yeah, so 1 Samuel 2, the Lord kills and brings to life. He brings down to Sheol and he raises up which is a reference to the resurrection. The Lord makes poor and makes rich. He brings low and he exalts. First Samuel 28. This is the bizarre story of when Saul, uh, Samuel has already told him because he offered the sacrifice uh, instead of Samuel. And Samuel told him the kingdom's going to be ripped away from you and the evil spirit comes on him and gets worse and worse and worse. And finally, he can't even inquire of the Lord and he goes to the medium, the, the sorceress, and inquires of her, and she channels up Samuel after he's died from Sheol. And so then the woman said, Whom shall I bring up for you? And Saul said, Bring me up, bring up Samuel for me. And the woman said to Saul, I saw a spirit ascending out of the earth. That's Sheol. And then Samuel looks at him and says, Why have you disturbed me by bringing me up? Verse 19, The Lord will also deliver Israel with you into the hand of the Philistines, and tomorrow you and your sons will be with me in Sheol. And so it's viewed in the Old Testament, not that because a lot of people's, people who will argue for Sheol in the middle of the earth will argue that you have the earth and that in the middle of the earth you have Sheol, but you kind of have you know, the yucky part, which is the bad people. And then you kind of have the, it's equated that this is paradise with the good people. And it was, it wasn't like this. In the Old Testament, you were doomed to death. You were doomed to the grave in Sheol forever. And so that's why it was always seen within the, the believers that we are utterly helpless and therefore, it wasn't crazy that the Messiah had to suffer to save us from Sheol. 
that we cannot save ourselves and therefore the whole Old Testament law and the atonement sacrifices can never save or ransom a life because it's too costly. Psalm 49. And so God himself had to pull all of us out of this holding place of the dead. Which, when you read some New Testament passages, it makes a lot of sense as to why they view it this way. Okay, there's four. Hold on, just hang with me. We got to roll through. I I believe they're taken up to the third heavens. Well, I mean they're taken up in a whirlwind. I mean there wasn't any, you know. Right. Right, but he refers to himself as Samuel, and the and Samuel declares the word of the Lord. And so, if the word of the Lord from the dead Samuel, if Samuel is not real and a falsity, then the word from the Lord through Samuel is a falsity to Saul. So the assumption is is Which, right, modern-day channelists, I believe, don't realize that they're channeling the dead from Sheol. That they, they, don't, they think that they're channeling the dead from somewhere out here, but in reality, they're channeling the dead from a real place in the middle of the earth. Right, which we're, we're going to get... We're just way ahead of ourselves. We're going to get to that as the thing... I don't believe so. Right, 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 right. We'll we'll get to Luke 16 later. I, I know that one's, except that it's not re- referenced as a parable. It's referenced as a real reality. And so, but we'll because that that's one of those that really uh, sets up people rest their idea from Luke 16. But uh, just hang with me. Hang with me. Okay, so Second uh, Samuel 22, uh, this is uh, David's uh, song, I call upon the Lord who's worthy to be praised, and I am saved from my enemies, for the waves of death encompassed me, the torrents of destruction assailed me, the cords of Sheol entangled me, the snares of death confronted me. Because David was believing for the fulfillment of, our, of his covenant the same way that we are, resulting in the resurrection of the dead. He was believing for his seed to be the one who would be raised up and live forever and secure his own resurrection. And so he saw his enemies in a very real way as being demonically influenced and trying to bring him down to Sheol, but he is believing that he's never going to die. And I know that was just, woo. But uh, we'll, and so he's not speaking poetically. That is the point. He's not speaking poetically. First Kings 2, uh, when David's time drew near, he commands Solomon saying, I'm about to go the way of all the earth, i.e. to Shehol. Act therefore according to your wisdom, verse 6. Do not let his, uh, do not let his gray hair go down to Sheol. Uh, oh, this is, sorry, the, the descendants of uh, Joab. Don't let his head go down to Sheol. And so here again, you have David who's going down to Sheol, and you have David's enemy going down to Sheol. You'll know what you ought to do with him, and you shall bring his gray head down with blood to Sheol. And so again, you have the kind of 
two referenced together. Obviously, it's, an imp- it's implied in verse 2, but the way of all the earth, including, including the dead. I mean, the wicked. And so, page 17, why do the, uh, the abode of the dead, these are just a bunch of passages uh, that clearly this is where all the dead people go. Why do the wicked live? Uh, why do the wicked live, reach old age, and grow mighty in power? They spend their days in prosperity, and in peace they go down to Sheol. In peace while they're alive. Obviously, Sheol is a different reality. The wicked shall depart to Sheol, all the nations that forget God. Psalm 16, I have set the Lord always before me because he is at my right hand. I shall not be shaken for you will not abandon my soul to Sheol, meaning he's assuming he's going down to Sheol. Okay. Yeah. He's going down to Sheol, but you won't abandon me to stay down there forever. That's his hope. Nor will you let your holy one. This is where they're playing ask two, your holy one. My seed see decay. Because he's believing that his seed is going to be the agent by which he is delivered from Sheol. Uh, Yes, yes. And most of the Psalms people don't interpret as David interpreting his own covenant. Because they kind of see that Israel was the height of everything, and for a number of reasons, they see Israel as the fulfillment of all the covenants, especially under the Davidic reign, because that was kind of the height, and therefore, so all the, all the you know the Abrahamic and the Mosaic, and it had all kind of reached fulfillment. And David is like, no, I my I am not the climax of everything. I am hoping for the fulfillment of all the other covenants, and so the Psalms are him prophetic declarations, yearnings of his heart for the fulfillment of his own covenant. Uh, Psalm, uh, Psalm 49, this is one I referenced, No man can by any means redeem his brother or give to God a ransom for him, for the redemption of his soul, his life, is costly, and he should cease trying forever that he should live on eternally, that he should not undergo decay. For he sees that even wise men die, the stupid and the senseless alike perish and leave their wealth with others. As sheep, they are appointed for Sheol. The wise men and the stupid are appointed for Sheol. Death shall be their shepherd, etc. Uh, remember how short my life is for what vanity you have created all mortals. Who can live and never say death? Who can escape the power of Sheol? And this is in context Psalm 89. The whole first half of Psalm 89 is, is one of the main messianic uh, psalms. So, uh, point three, Sheol Hades is within the earth, okay? The eye of him who sees me will behold me no more. While your eyes are on me, I shall be gone. As the clouds fade and vanishes, so he who goes down to Sheol does not come up. And Job references Sheol, I think, more than any other book, and people just write him off as confused, And but he, Job, had... Uh, very real uh, understanding. Job 11, can you discover the depths of God? Can you discover the limits of the Almighty? They are high, they are high as the heavens. What can you do deeper than Sheol? And so he's just referencing the ways of God, referencing to the metaphysical construct that as high as the heavens above and Sheol beneath. Uh, 
Psalm 86, I will glorify your name forever, for great is your steadfast love toward me. You have delivered my soul from the depths of Sheol. And he's just speaking prophetically of what he's going to do. Where shall I go from your spirit? Where shall I flee from your presence? If I ascend to the heavens, Shamayim, you are there. If I make my bed in Sheol, you are there. But he, uh, the simple man does not know that the dead are there, that her guests are in the depths of Sheol or will be there. The path of life, Proverbs 15, leads upward for the prudent, but he that turn away from Sheol, but he may turn, that he may turn away from Sheol beneath. Uh, so I think the most uh, well-known one is Isaiah 14 at the bottom of the page. When the Lord has given you... House of Israel, rest from your pain and turmoil, the hard service which you were made. You will take up this taunt against the king of Babylon. And he's, Isaiah is referencing clearly the king of Babylon. And then it gets, he applies characteristics of Satan himself to the king of Babylon, who he sees as the anti-Messiah. The Lord has broken the staff of the wicked, the scepter of the rulers has struck the people in wrath, etc. Verse 7, the whole earth is at rest and quiet. They break forth into singing. Sheol beneath is stirred up to meet you when you come. It rouses the, it rouses the spirits to greet you. All who are leaders of the earth, all of them will answer and say, you too have become weak as we. You have become like us. Your pomp is brought down to Sheol. And then Ezekiel 31, you get the same dynamic. Uh, Amos 9, if they dig into Sheol, from there shall my hand take them. If they climb up to the heavens, from there I will bring them down. And so there's just this, I mean, it's, it's just more than figurative language when it's used so many times over and over. It's the reality in which in the way they saw things. Sheol Hades resembles a prison, Job 17, for I, if I hope for Sheol as my house, if I make my bed in the darkness, if I say to the pit, you're my father, to the worm, you're my mother's sister, where then is my hope? Who will see my hope? Will it go down to the bars or the gates of Sheol? Shall we descend together in the dust? And so later on in the New Testament, you get clear references to this, that it is the holding place for judgment. It is the prison. And it's the reason we have prisons in our society is an image of that, to hold the wicked. For judgment. Um, skip over to page 20. Uh, her house, back to Proverbs 7, is the way of Sheol going down to the chambers of death. Isaiah 38, the gates of Sheol for the rest of my years, the pit of destruction going down to the pit. Okay, so point C, you have the continuance of this reality in the New Testament. And you, Capernaum, will you be exalted to the heavens? You will you'll be brought down to, to Hades, as was Sodom. And so uh, this is the context of when he returns and establishes things. But anyway, I tell you, you'll be more tolerable on the day of judgment. And so Matthew 16, I tell you, you are Peter on this rock. I'll build my church in the gates of Hades. In Hades, being in torment, which is Luke uh, 16, and then Acts 2, we have the reference to Psalm 16. Uh, when I saw at the bottom of the page, the one like son of man, I fell at his feet as though dead, but he laid his right hand on me saying, fear not. I am the first and last, the living one. I died and behold, I am alive forever, forevermore. I have the keys or the authority over death and Hades, which they saw as a very real reality. 
so point one, continued assumption of Sheol Hades being under the earth. And so Philippians 2, this is their idea that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in the heavens, the principalities, on the earth, wicked men, and under the earth, the people within Hades. Revelation 5, and no one in earth, in heaven, on earth, or under the earth was able to open the scroll. Point two, Sheol Hades, the holding place for human judgment. And so here you have the passage from Second Peter 2 that really marks out, even though Hades, the word for hell, is referred to with another Greek term, this is the one time it's used, Tartartu, but it's clearly referencing the same uh, reality. For if God did not spare the angels when they sinned, but cast them down into hell, which is a participle in that situation, Tartaru, the, the participial form of Tartaros, that is Shades, uh, Sheol Hades, and committed them to pits of darkness because he's not saying pits of darkness just because he thinks it's a good idea. He's saying pits of darkness because of all the verses that we just read in the Old Testament. That's where he's getting the language, is bringing my, my life down to the darkness, to the pit, to the chambers of Sheol reserved for judgment and did not spare the ancient world but preserved Noah, meaning the ancient world in the days of Noah, they were all brought down to Sheol because it's assumed in the Old Testament that Hades, this is why Tartaru and, and Hades, Sheol are equated as the same reality because Sodom and Gomorrah, the people of Sodom and Gomorrah and the flood were universally assumed to be brought down to Sheol. And so it's the same reality. He condemned the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah, making them an example of those who will live, uh, who, who live ungodly thereafter. If he rescued the righteous lot, then the Lord knows how to rescue the godly from temptation and keep the unrighteous under punishment for the day of judgment. Uh, the Lord, well, okay, five minutes on the recording. Okay, good, good. And the angels... Jude, this is kind of the same, uh, uh, the same, uh, along the same lines. The angels who did not keep their positions of authority, but abandoned their home, these he has kept in darkness, bound with everlasting chains for judgment on the great day. And so, just like everybody else is kept down here and kept for judgment on the great day, they serve and as they serve as an example. This thing serves as an example of what is to come, the judgment at the end of the age. Sheol Hades is equivalent to the abyss, and so you can read that. Skip over page 23. Sheol Hades is likewise referred to as a prison in the New Testament, and so this is 1 Peter 3. This passage is known amongst New Testament interpretation as one of the most difficult passages to translate. And I don't think it's that difficult to translate because the words are fairly self-explanatory. It's difficult to translate because people are looking at it within this context and trying to say, well, it can't mean this, so what did it mean? And so it's, anyway, so Christ died for sins once for all, the righteous for the unrighteous, to bring you to God. He was put to death in the body, but made alive, resurrected by the Spirit, through whom he also went and preached to the spirits in prison. Okay, assume the prison is, is Hades. Who disobeyed long ago, because here again, this is the direct reference, who disobeyed long ago when God waited patiently in the days of Noah, that the people in the days of Noah were sent down to the prison, that is Hades, cast down Tartar Tartaru, 
They're cast down to be held for the day of judgment. And so Jesus, when he died, he descended and preached to the people in the prison in Hades who disobeyed long ago. But they uh, will have to give account to him who is ready to judge the living and the dead. For this is the reason the gospel was preached even to those who are now dead. Okay, so within his worldview, the people who are now dead are in Sheol. He died after a sacrifice and preached uh, to them so that they might be judged according to men in regard to body, but according to God, etc. So five, that which abides in Sheol Hades will ultimately be thrown into the lake of fire. And so that's common passages in Revelation 20 and 21 that he takes on the final day and he casts death and Hades themselves into the lake of fire. And so he takes this thing, uh, Sheol Hades, on the earth and he casts this thing into this thing called the lake of fire, which is on the earth. Okay, so Gehenna is equated with the lake of fire in the New Testament, page 24. Matthew 5, you have... Verse 22, I say to you, everyone who is angry with his brothers will be liable to judgment. You, if you say you fool, you'll be liable to hell, and the Greek is Gehenna. And so right after that, as we says, if your right eye causes you to sin, tear it out, throw it away. It's better for you to lose one of your members than your whole body be thrown into hell in the, in the future into Gehenna. Matthew 10, don't fear those who can destroy your body, but fear the one who can, meaning he will, could in the future, if you don't do now, throw your body and soul into Gehenna. Okay, and again, every time Gehenna is used, it's never referred to in the present tense. Okay, uh, you make him twice a child of Gehenna, you serpents, you brood of vipers. How are you going? How are you to escape being sentenced to Gehenna? So they're awaiting in Sheol for the the judgment on the great day to be sentenced to Gehenna. After that. Mark 9, you have, a, uh, uh, you have a reiteration of above in Matthew 5. We'll skip that. Page 25. Gehenna slash the lake of fire is eschatological, not present day. And so you have a number of passages. Matthew 13, the parables. The harvest is the end of the age. The harvesters are angels. As weeds are pulled up and burned in the fire, so it will be at the end of the age. Matthew 25, when the Son of Man comes in his glory, he says, depart.